Hi, you're listening to Yeah, It Can't Be Good, a rewatch podcast of the sci fi original series Eureka. Let's get started. Hey, it's Doug with the TV Guide Synopsis, Season 2, Episode 10. God is in the details. Strange phenomena are attributed to a biblical plague after faucets pour blood and cases of sudden muteness and human bioluminescence occur. Creators Jamie Paglia and Andrew Cosby. Written by Eric Wallace. Directed by Mike Roll. Original air date September 11, 2007. Thank you, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki. And we're back for Season 2, Episode 10, God is in the Details. I'm here with my co-host, Kim. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Oh, living a dream. <laughs> Enjoy the club. <laughs> so in this episode, we have a lot about religion. We have curious holes in crystalline glass, and we have a doorway to heaven. So the episode opens in a church, and I think this is the only time we ever see a church in Eureka. I don't recall ever seeing it again. Albert Einstein says science without religion is lame, and religion without science is blind. But is there still a place for faith in a world of science? Has our ability to unravel the mysteries of rainbows made them any less miraculous? Science may be the method by which we give name to God's miracles, but faith is the question that arises every time an old mystery is solved. The elegant explanations discovered every day in Eureka are the very reason to believe in something greater, something beyond mathematics, something divine. We meet Reverend Harper, and we meet Diane Lancaster, who recently lost her husband. The church is not very full. We go to Carter's office, where Zoe comes in with a box full of items to give to charity, and his paper and coffee, or his breakfast, actually, that Sarah had her make, because apparently Sarah's worried about his cholesterol. Yeah, I like Sarah. <laughs> I know. He thought he didn't have a wife anymore, but mm-hmm. he was wrong. So Carter obviously knows she's up to something, so Zoe asks if she can get a tattoo. And once again, I'm going to say, the dialogue and the things that they give her, she can't expect that her father's going to let her get a tattoo at 16. Right. The kids still push it to the edge to see how far they could get away with. You might not give me a tattoo, but would you give me this? Yeah, I guess. We gotta understand where Zoe came from because she was a runaway. She wasn't happy here, neither here nor there. Right. So I still think she pushes the envelope to where she's getting used to being in Eureka, but she still has tendencies to go a little bit backwards and try to get things that normally she would have asked if she was not in Eureka. True. I, th- I guess you're right. Yeah. She does try to push. So he obviously says no. no. I mean, I don't know what else she was expecting. Of course, she's not happy, and she says she's going to tell Sarah that he's eating pizza. <laughs> when Carter goes to drop off the box to the reverend after Mass, because, of course, he doesn't go to Mass, he has a flashback when he pulls out the sonnet book that used to be Allison's in that other timeline. Right, okay. Which was in Henry's office for some reason when Henry erased uh, Jack's memory mm. of that old timeline. So he has a flashback of Henry saying everything he said to him. You know, you're the one who didn't let me save Kim, which is not the first time he's had kind of a flashback either. 
So he keeps the book. And later on, he returns the book to Henry. He brings it to Henry and pretends he knows that it's Henry's and says, mm. I'm returning your book. And Henry says, oh, I don't remember you borrowing it, which just confirms to him that something's missing in his mind. Right. You know, if Henry said, oh, I don't, that's not my book, I don't know whose it is, mm. maybe he would have thought that I'm dreaming weird things. But because Henry says, oh, I don't remember you borrowing mm. it, it confirms to Jack that something happened that he doesn't remember. remember yeah. So then we go to Zoe and Pilar and two of her friends at the smart house, and all of a sudden Zoe loses her voice. Pilar loses her voice, and the other two girls lose their voice. I've said this before. This is one thing I like about Eureka. Something happens, and you don't have to wait for somebody to call somebody or for somebody to find somebody. The next scene... Zoe's in GD in the hospital. You don't have to go through all this nonsense of how how to get in touch with Carter and Mm -hmm. Carter coming and all this stuff. We don't know how she got there. We don't care how she got there. She's there. We don't have to sit through all that. I love that about the show. (laughs) They do that all the time, and I like that. So while she's in the hospital, Carter sees a tattoo on her back. So he obviously thinks she got the tattoo either after he said no or before she even asked. Yes, great. Zane and Joe have a date. Is this when she comes out of church? Yes. And they have a date at Cafe Diem, and he brings her a rose. So, uh, Sunday special is Fallout Flapjacks. That's pumpkin pancakes with a radioactive swirl of cream cheese and nutmeg. Well, that sounds great, Vince, but I'm waiting for somebody. Really? Who's the lucky lady? No. Yes. I'm impressed. So am I. And just a teeny bit scared. Yeah. Is this the first time we see Joe in regular clothes? I, I think it is, to be honest with you. Because last time all I remember, she was in combat gear when they were doing the uh, paint fight. Right, and I think it might be. I didn't even really recognize her. I'm looking at her going, who's that? They're talking about, you know, their, how much Zane loves science and how much Joe loves the stuff she loves. Zane kind of makes it sound like uh, science is more important than what she does. Mm-hmm. She probably feels that way all the time in Eureka because she's not a genius. She's a military expert, but she's not a genius, so she probably feels... Um, intimidated. Self-conscious, yeah. intimidated, like she doesn't measure up. He makes her feel that way, that the science is more important than mm-hmm. the application. So she leaves. He doesn't know why. He doesn't understand what he did. But it seems like everybody in Enrique at one point feels like that because there's always one person that's better in a certain field than you are. Right, but Carter and Joe... I mean, Joe is a military expert, but she's not a genius. genius. So Carter and Joe are the regular people in Eureka. And probably the only two regular people, except maybe that pizza guy. Yeah, and there's Zoe. But she's not. We found out she's a genius when they did the IQ test. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they're probably really the only regular people Mm. in that whole town. Other than that pizza guy that got blown up. (laughs) (laughs) Poor pizza guy. So... (laughs) So she must feel that way all the time. And she even says to Zoe when she's talking to her, that's how it always is trying to get a date in this town. Because she, and it's probably, people probably don't look at her the way she thinks they're looking at her. Mm. But she says that she can't compete with anybody here. She can't talk about the science things. And she said, so what happens if we start dating and then he realizes that I can't, I don't know what he's talking about half the time. I don't know, to me, she intimidates me. That's what I mean. I don't think pe- people see her the way she thinks they see her. Right. I think mm-hmm. they see her as a force of nature and probably are in awe of her. 
she thinks they see her as somebody who's not at their level, who doesn't know things that they know. Right, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think she's below them. No, but she, she thinks, thinks she, she is. is. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got yeah. you Because I'm like, mm. Yeah, I don't think, but... I put her at the same level. Right, so would I. And even Carter, you know, mm-hmm. he, like we said, uh, I don't know how many times, he has that everyman quality that can come up with things when these people are just, you know, yeah, <laughs> can't yeah. think logically because they're thinking too scientifically. Physically. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're all, they all have something to give to Eureka, and it might not always be genius IQs, but they all have something. And we learn later in the series that she has, and I think she mentioned it already, but she had four brothers, and her mother died young, so she was raised by her father. So she always felt she needed to keep up with her brothers, and she was the girl, and she wasn't treated like she could do anything. So there's all that in her background, too. So I think that's why she Mm -hmm. feels the way she does. So the date doesn't go well. When Carter goes to investigate the smart house, he sees a hole in that glass. Is that a sunroof or is it a solar panel? Remember he built the, the hole in this in the roof when Sarah trapped them in the house during right, house rules? Yeah. He notices a hole in the glass. And when he takes it to Henry, Henry says that can't happen. It has to be an extreme amount of heat because it's crystalline glass. Mm. They think that has something to do with Zoe and her friends losing her voice. But other than losing their voice, they don't seem to be in any other kind of danger. Mm. It's just that they can't talk. Allison is taking a shower, and all of a sudden she starts to glow, and she passes out. And again, Allison passes out, and the next scene, they're in yeah. GD. We didn't have to wait for somebody to find her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. You're I, I love that. I don't care how she got there. Mm-hmm. I can't stand when we have to waste a half an episode for somebody to find, oh, this one's missing. I wonder where he is. You know, You're right. I love that they, and they do that most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I just really always like that about the show. But Allison is in more danger because whatever's wrong with her is, I think Nathan says she's burning up inside or something. I don't really know. But whatever's wrong with her could be fatal. Um, whereas the girls just lost their voice. I have to wonder where Kevin is. She's in the hospital. She doesn't know how she got to the hospital. Nathan asks her if Kevin was home. So uh, obviously Nathan isn't the one who brought her to the hospital. Where's Kevin? He's always an afterthought. Okay, you know what? You're right. Where is he? And she doesn't ask where Kevin is. Nathan says, well, was Kevin home? And she said yes. But she doesn't ask where he is. The first thing I would say was, who has my son? Where's my son? Who's taking care of him? You never know who's taking care of you. You never know who's know. babysitting him. This kid must be really <laughs> a very independent child. How old is he? I don't even know at this point. But it's always like he's an afterthought for anything. And the only time you actually see him is when he's going to be part of the plot. Otherwise, you never know where he is. And I used this as an example before... It was way back, and I can't remember what the episode was, but Carter and Allison fell asleep on his bed, and they both fell asleep. And she wakes up in the morning, and she goes, oh, I have to pick up Kevin at his friend's house. So it's just coincidence the night she fell asleep on Carter's bed, Kevin's at his friend's house? Right. There's never any explanation for where Kevin is. There's never any concern for where Kevin is. The only time she's concerned about Kevin is when she thinks she's going to die, and she wants to make sure Nathan will take care of him. But she never asked where he was. Yeah, you're right. You <laughs> never was, thought about this. He's like a throwaway character unless they need him for something specific. And you don't think about it because 
she's at the hospital, or Zoe's at the hospital, you're at this point, and you don't know the in-between. Right. But yeah. she never asked, you, you know, the first thing I would ask if when I woke up in the hospital is, who is has my son? son? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where is or, he? I got to get somebody to right. watch him. Right. Did we leave him home alone? No. You know, what What happened? Hmm. And, you know, and because Nathan asks her, was Kevin home? She would have assumed if Nathan found her, then he would have taken care you're, of Kevin. You're right. But if he didn't know if Kevin was home, then he's not the one who found her. So where's Kevin? Kevin. They want to make her a mother and they want to give her a child with autism. They really need to follow through on even something little. Like, all she had to say was, where's Kevin? And Nathan would say, oh, don't worry, somebody has him. Right. She never asks about him. And I always find that weird. They don't have her playing a mother. And we never know who's got Kevin or where Kevin is. Or That is true. If you're, you're going to give somebody a kid, you can't just bring them in every once in a while. You have to at least mention them so people know that she has a kid. Right, because this should be in the story. Yeah, you. every time I'm going, thinking about it, I'm going, yeah, where is this kid? Yeah. And he, he kind of got a part in all this, but where is he? The normal everyday things like, where's my son when you wake up in the hospital? Right. Or I got to make sure he's there. I exactly. Sure he's there. I have to figure out like where... all this stuff that a regular mother has to do, even though you're a career woman or you work, there's stuff that still plays a part in your child. Of course, yeah. And they never it's play her that way. way. And that always bothered me about her character. So Nathan, Nathan in his artifact obsession, thinks Kevin might have been responsible for her glowing. So now they're looking at bioluminescence. And Carter asks who works in bioluminescence, which means he has to go talk to Seth, the guy from Purple Haze. Okay. <laughs> who doesn't like Carter, mm-hmm. and Carter doesn't like him. So he has to go talk to Seth in his aquarium because he doesn't do plants anymore. Now he does bioluminescence. And he thinks Seth is behind it because that's what he works on. But Seth says he's years away from being able to do that to a person. And after Carter leaves, Seth's aquarium turns to blood. Oh, yeah. So now we have people who can't speak and we have somebody illuminating and we have blood. Carter just randomly is walking down the hallway and notices Larry reading the Bible. And Larry starts spouting, and I can't remember all of it. I know that how Zoe losing their voice. What did he say? The Tower of Babel or something? The Tower of Babylon. Is Is that what it is? The Tower of Babylon, if I'm not mistaken. Because he started spouting all these Bible stories. And that what's happening to Allison could be called illumination. I'm not positive that's what he said. And then the the water turning to blood. So he starts reading all these. Quotes from the Bible. Right. There's always something that pertains to what's right so he thinks something is happening biblically which makes carter suspect the reverend Mm -hmm. who has an empty church and maybe she's behind it trying to get people to come to church hey larry studying to be pope no but with what's happening around town i thought i should cover my bases religion wise what's religion have to do with anything well call it what you like girls losing their voices that's like the tower of babel God smote those workers so they couldn't communicate. Dr. Blake, glowing like saints rising to heaven. That's what the Bible calls trans transfiguration. What if GD was built over a hellmouth? A hellmouth? Say what you want, but when water turns to blood, I say it's time to pray. Yeah, I might want to run that one by the Reverend. Sure, she'll get a laugh at it. Well, considering she's the one I borrowed these books from, I think I'll stick to my game plan. 
Okay, so Zane goes to see see Joe to find out what he did wrong, and she, I think she kind of explained to him that it's not him, it's her, blah, blah, blah. You, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> and then Henry starts listing the ten plagues, because he doesn't believe that the Reverend has anything to do with it, but and he's getting mad at Carter for in, insinuating that the Reverend has. But it kind of makes sense. And then you find out she's a she's a scientist herself. She just gave it up to become a reverend. But, you know, he starts spouting the plagues like locusts and darkness. And as soon as he says darkness, the lights go out in the church. Then while they're in the church, they start hearing this really loud buzzing sound. And Henry says it's radio waves. Oh, to back up a little bit. When Carter starts seeing a pattern between all of this, he investigates Allison's house and finds a hole in her mm-hmm. window. And in Seth's aquarium, there's a hole in the aquarium filter. and That's where the blood is, right? Right. There's a hole, and then after it's filled up somewhat with blood. Right. Okay. And all of these things are made of this crystalline glass that's not supposed to break. So he knows all these things are related, which brings him to the church. Mm-hmm. But then they hear loud radio waves, and Henry tells them that sound waves can cause all these problems. Right. It can cause the glass, and it can also cause, like stress on the vocal cords mm-hmm. so people can't talk. And I don't know how they got the idea to go see Diane Lancaster. She's the organist of the church, but I think she also works at GD. And whatever her expertise is has to do with sound waves. Mm-hmm. But since her husband died, she's been working at home instead of GD. So they go to Diane's house, and they see all these bugs illuminated over her house. They get inside, and she has this big contraption, Henry calls it a temporal something, but she calls it a doorway to heaven. She's found the point where everything meets, and she thinks if she goes through, she'll be able to see her husband again. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to Henry because he wants, wants to, to see, see Kim. Kim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carter explains that she's hurting people with this thing, and, you know, Carter doesn't believe any of this because, you know, he's not religious, but he talks her down. He talks her into not going through this portal, but Henry doesn't want to shut it down. He's saying, you know, what if it's right? What if she Mm. found it? Carter's system, we have to shut it down. And once again, Carter stopped him from maybe seeing Kim again. When they shut it down, everybody is cured. Zoe can talk. Allison is cured, except that before all this happened, Nathan went to get Kevin. And Kevin had his hands over Allison. Mm -hmm. So Nathan believes that Kevin cured Allison because he controls the artifact, he says. He Mm -hmm. controls the field. Now, I don't know if he actually believes that because it happened when they shut down the machine. But he doesn't know that, though. He does because he says it later. I'm not sure if he's trying to con Allison into thinking that Kevin is attached to the artifact or if he really believes that Kevin cured her. Because, I, like I said, I always think he's up to something. Oh, he's up to something. Yeah. I think when I first watched it, I thought that he just believes that, but, you know, for no reason except that he's obsessed with the artifact. But now I think he might be trying to con Allison into thinking that he's attached to the artifact. Which maybe he is, but I think Nathan has other motives. Oh, for Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I Th- believe that. Than what I first believed when I first watched it. Yeah. Because, like I said, and I've said it a thousand times, watching it for a podcast, I guess mm. I'm paying attention to different stuff. I had to have watched all these episodes five, six times mm. before, but I never saw Nathan in this light, and I think I'm just paying attention to different things. 
because I'm watching it for a podcast instead of just watching it to watch it? Well, I watched it to watch it, but there's something, there's still, some, still something sinister about it. Yes, I believe there is, yeah. And I think that's why I don't like him. Yeah. See, I always liked him until this time around. Yeah. I always liked him. I don't, like him. I don't like his character. Until this time around. I thought he was snarky. I thought he was sarcastic. I thought he was full of himself. But I thought him and Carter were funny together. And I thought he really loved Allison. And that's quite possible. And I thought he cared about Kevin. And maybe he does, but I think that he's up to something yeah, else. Yeah, he only cares about him. what can he use them for. I they're, never they're key players in this evil, whatever. It's not good. It's not for their benefit. It's for his benefit. Mm-hmm. That's what I think now, yeah. Mm-hmm. But all the other times I watched it, I, I thought even though he was snarky and annoying, that he loved Allison and he cared about Kevin, but I'm not sure about that yeah, anymore. Yeah, he wants to get with Allison. Yeah. It's not because uh, he loves her. He's using her. That's what I think, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we already talked about Carter at the end, returns mm-hmm. the book to Henry just to confirm his suspicions. And then we find out that Zoe's tattoo was not real. <laughs> I don't know why it took her this long to tell him it wasn't real, but now she thinks that maybe he'll let her get one because he apologized for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which, no, he yeah. he's not going to let her get it. <laughs> I would have played him and pissed him off for a while, too. I would have did it and just said, yeah, you can't do nothing about it now. Right. <laughs> So we're pretty much at the end of this episode, mm. too. Did we miss anything you wanted to talk about? Mm, no. Oh, and we forgot Zane meets Joe outside church. Oh, yeah. Joe um, looked good. Like yeah. I, said, I, I still don't recognize Joe out of her... her it seemed like if it's military or police or whatever, law enforcement, because like I said, when you did see her out of uniform, she's in another uniform, and she has a gun in her hand. She has a weapon in her hand. To see her walk out with her hair down... And addressing, I'm going, oh my God, yeah. who's that? And then I'm like, oh, that's Joe. I think you're right now that you say that. I don't recall ever seeing her in anything, up till now anyway, mm-hmm. other than her uniform or her uh, paintball uniform. Mm-hmm. You're right. So Dane kind of apologizes for the way he made her feel, and it looks like they're... On the track, so you mm. must be happy. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. It's funny because Skip was saying, when I don't remember what episode it was, but he was saying how he was disappointed that Joe and Tiger were, weren't together. Yeah, I'm just he, like, he really thought that they would make a good couple, and I was like, eh, no, they make good friends, not, not a couple. couple. So if we don't have anything else to talk about, we will end here, and we'll be back next week. So see you next week. Have a good day. Bye. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for season two of Blue Soul and Nothing, Man Eater. Bye. See you later. Bye. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at eurekarewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at eurekarewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.